In the summer months, I'm going to spend some time in 1 John. It is one of three letters from John the Apostle that we have in the New Testament. John was one of the 12 disciples. Jesus called him a son of thunder. So you see that in his writings. It's, it's either light or darkness. You're either dead or alive. Like it's this stark contrast, okay, that John has. And he wrote three letters. We have a gospel that bears his name. And if that weren't enough, that whole psychedelic stuff called Revelation, this vision that John has about how God's going to wrap up human history, you know, with the cube and the angels and the, you know, the woman of Babylon and the bulls and the wrath and the horsemen, all that stuff, he gives that to John. Uh, so John's got a lot of things going for him. Uh, and so we're going to be in his letter. This letter, the letter of 1 John, was written to a group of house churches in and around Ephesus. So John actually got to or had to take care of Jesus' mother, the Virgin Mary, later in life. And so they lived for a season in and around Ephesus. And John was in charge of these house churches that were in and around uh, Ephesus. And so we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, just three verses today, 15, 16, and 17. What? Okay, just three verses. So when I, as a new Christian, as a new Christian, I was told that he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. He's got the whole world like, right? Okay. So I was told that, I was told that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and I was told that God made the world, but I was also told God is going to nuke the world, <laughs> and that I should be in the world, but not of the world, huh? <laughs> and that the world is evil. We want to avoid worldly things, okay? And so it created a lot of confusion. God loved the world, but God's going to nuke the world? Like, that seems a little schizophrenic to me. And so uh, by the time I was a high school student, they defined it with a little bit more clarity. And I'm not saying this is how things are. This is what they told me in church land. So, M Max, you want to avoid the world. You want to be in the world, but not of the world, just don't dance, don't drink, do not use tobacco products, definitely do not see R-rated movies. By the time I was coming of age, you could see G and maybe PG movies and still be okay and not lose your salvation. And um, there was a fifth one, and I can't remember the fifth one, dancing, drinking, card playing, card playing. Card playing was also of the devil, okay? So those were the, I call them the fundamentalist five, okay? Avoid those five things, and you have avoided the world, and you've avoided worldly behavior. And uh, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So if, if you grew up in a Christian environment like I did, and you grew up in church land in America, you've probably heard a lesson or two on don't love the world, or be in the world, but not of the world. Um, and so you may have heard the King James Version, which is, do, uh, be ye not conformed to this world. Be ye, you know, we had to memorize it that way. 
Um, same message. World is bad. God is good. Don't be like the world. Don't succumb to worldly things. Be like God. Amen. Go home. And, and so, again, avoid the fundamentalist five. Uh, and so, in all of these letters and sermons, uh, that's what it meant. And so, you had to watch what you watched on TV. You had to dress a certain way. Don't drink. Don't... Uh, Let's see, the phrase that we used was, don't drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or associate with those who do. Okay, so that was, the, that was kind of the thing. And if you did that, you were okay. You weren't worldly. You didn't want to be a worldly Christian. And this was the language that was used. And so, is that what it means to not love the world? I don't play cards. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. I haven't danced in a long time. Woohoo! Heaven's my home, <laughs> like guaranteed going to glide up into eternity. Is that what that means, to not love the world, to just avoid certain things? Okay, so again, I said I was just going to be in three verses, and I want to unpack the meaning of these three verses if I can, okay? And this is 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 15, 16, and 17. John the apostle writes this, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So do not love this world. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. And they don't include an adjective that's in the Greek, which is this evil world. <laughs> so there's an adjective in the Greek that the NLT doesn't include. This evil world, right? So... In the New Testament, the, world, the word world means several different things. It can actually mean five different things. So if you've never heard this, I want to spell this out for you. It can mean the created universe. So sometimes when you're reading the world, it means the cosmos, the universe, and all the galaxies therein. It can mean planet Earth, so the spinning ball that you and I are on. So the world can also mean that. The world can mean all of humankind. For God so loved the world, right? Speaking to all people at all times. The world can mean everything that makes up human life. Uh, we have an expression for this, boy meets girl, boy says to friend, she rocked my world, <laughs> right? Everything in life, okay? And then the last thing that the world can mean is a world order or system of humans and non-humans that are in rebellion against God. So if you'll remember from our Ephesians series, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that there's this unseen part to reality, and it has principalities, powers, demons, all that kind of stuff that's associated with it. And those forces are basically aligned in an effort to say, we don't want you, God. We're going to call the shots. We're going to dethrone you. Woo, go us. <laughs> And so that system, that order, can be called the world in the Bible. And that's the way John uses it here in his letter of 1 John. So when John says, don't love the world, 
John says, don't love this system, this entire system that's predicated on opposing God and his ways, deciding for yourselves what's right and wrong, right? Trying to be a God unto yourself and to make your own determination and your own future. So do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you, okay? So we have to understand a few things of what world uh, doesn't, um, we need to understand that this use of the word world doesn't mean stuff or things that are in the world. So for example, is music good or bad? Huh? Is food good or bad? Is sex good or bad? <laughs> right? So it depends, doesn't it? It depends. So this, when God made the world and everything in the world, he said it was good. So a lot of times in churches and among Protestant Americans, we can have this misunderstanding about the world that the world means anything physical that's part of the created order. No. Sex can be really good. Food can be really good. <laughs> Music can be really good. Sex can be bad in the wrong context. Music can be really bad. <laughs> Food can be really bad, okay? So it's what you do with it, and it's whether or not it's used rightly, okay? Um, we know this to be the case with money. Is money good or bad? Right, it depends on how it's being used, right? So what John is saying in this passage is that the world is the values, attitudes, ways of thinking, ways of living that the masses do that are opposed to God and God's way of living, God's values, and the way God wants the world to work so that the way things are in heaven are in fact the way things are in, on earth. And so... The next verse here is, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements. So John's kind of helping spell out what this is, this uh, physical pleasure seen with our eyes and pride in our possessions. Um, a lot of preachers like to say the uh, physical pleasure part is only sex. I'm sorry, I beg to differ. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant where they came out and they served you the finest ribeye that you've ever had in your entire life, perfectly marinated for three days. You put a bite in your mouth and that ribeye just absolutely melts away. And there's a little bit of a burn to it as it's melting. And then at the very end, there's just a hint of sweet. And you think to yourself, who did this? Who created this? Why did God reserve this for him and the priests and not the people? Like what? <laughs> like the whole kid and caboodle. So again, again, it's not just physical. It's not just sex, okay? When the, uh, the craving for physical pleasure is all of the stuff that goes into our bodily human existence, our appetites, and so it speaks to appetites, and that can be food, sex, it can be all kinds of things. An appetite to be affirmed and patted on our back, like there's all kinds of things that fall under that umbrella of desires and appetites, okay? And then the next phrase, the things that we see. You and I live in America, 
And America is all about the second way of world system of uh, seeing things and creating want. So with your screens that you have, you're bombarded with ads all the time. And all of these ads are saying, uh, all of these ads are selling the exact same thing. The car, the vacation, the slender body, like that's not what the, those people are selling. They're selling happiness. They're saying to you, if you just had this mixer, <laughs> they're saying to you, if you drove this SUV that has satellite whatever, <laughs> they're saying to you if, you, if your internet was faster, right, you'd be happy. You'd achieve oh, this sense of wholeness. So America is selling you this sense of wholeness apart from God, derived from the consumption of things. Is that really going to deliver what it promises? Are you really going to have shalom, peace, wellness, absolute, ah, just from a car, a steak, or whatever, <laughs> a vacation? No, 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 right? So John is, again, wanting to spell these out. And then the last, the last of the three things is pride in our achievements in possessions. Um, and this is a substitute for our confidence and faith. Instead of having confidence in God, we're confident in what we have, in what we've achieved, with where we are in life, with what we have in our bank account. I have committed this sin several times over my life with a savings account. I'm just going to be honest. So Mike Lesage has been a good person in my life because Mike has pushed me all along the way, Derek. He's been like, Max, faith has risk to it. You're going to have to take some risk. And I'm like, Mike, I'm risk averse. <laughs> I don't like risk. Risk means, you know, death, failure, loss. <laughs> and he goes, I know, isn't it exciting? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> okay. So several times along the way in my life, I've amassed, you know, 10, whatever, $20,000 in the bank account. And I'm, and Jenny will know when I've reached this point, she'll be like, you're resting on that money in that account. God's going to take that away if that's where your faith and your confidence in, because sometimes Jenny is the voice of the Holy Ghost, only it sounds like Jenny. <laughs> Just being honest, okay? So, so this is another way in which the worldly system offers a poor substitute. A stake, a woman, a man, a relationship, uh, a new video game, a... Uh, all of the stuff that the ads are promising, and then even what we can achieve, it none of that delivers. It None of it delivers what it's promising, okay? And so John wraps it up and he says this in verse 17, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So, all of the stuff that we have a front row seat to, this system of living, the, the American system of living. So let's just, I want this to be a little interactive right now. I have my notes on the next page, which I'm going to flip to so I get there. But I want to hear what you have to say. So American, what are some American values and American ways of living? How do Americans live? What do Americans value? Just shout them out. Big house. What else? Freedom. Oh, Americans love freedom. Love me some freedom. What? Expression. expression. I'm just going to express myself, and we all express ourselves the same way. <laughs> Independence. I'm surprised. Wealth? Yeah. 
Americans love consumption. I don't know if you figured this out, but like shopping is a thing, shopping for emotional support, recreational shopping. Like I have some family members that do, not in my household that I live with, but extended family members, re recreational shopping is like a thing for them. Okay, it's a thing. So these are all values that are part of this system. And they run absolutely counter to what Jesus lived and taught. What do we know about Jesus? Was Jesus the ultimate consumer of things? No. <laughs> Did Jesus value wealth above people? No. <laughs> what about freedom? How did Jesus use his freedom? Laid his life down by serving and giving it away, right? So Jesus runs countercultural to everything America is kind of training you and I to live uh, ways to live, okay? So Christians in America have known for years that we shouldn't love the world and that we should be different. Unfortunately, Christians in America, at least church-going Americans, aren't really that different. So there was a 1999 landmark study that uh, included 6,000 adults Okay, and these 6,000 adults were born-again, church-going Americans. And they examined how did they live, how did they spend money, what did they do with their free time, uh, you know, uh, did they have sex, did they have sex only in the context of marriage, like all of these evaluative things. Did you know that the only statistical, meaning, the only meaningful statistical difference between these church-going Americans and regular Americans was just one thing. You'll never guess what it was. The one thing that set them apart is that they bought Christian stuff. <laughs> Whereas normal Americans just don't. <laughs> so that was the thing that set them apart, right? So can we all agree that's not how it should be? That's not how it should be, okay? So in light of this passage, in light of what John has to say about don't love the world or the things that it offers you, because when you have that in you, it pushes out the love of God, right? And we want to be lovers of God. Jesus was the ultimate lover of God, and his life was spectacular. <laughs> Absolutely. I rarely meet someone who says to my face, you know, Jesus was just a loser. I don't like him. I think his teaching is bunk. Like, I don't mean, people have tremendous respect for Jesus. Okay, so in light of this, let me ask a question. Which do you seek with more fervor? Your personal happiness and fulfillment or pleasing God? Which do you seek with more energy, more fervor? I just want to be happy. I just want to get to X point in my life, whatever that is. Or I want to please God. He's done so much for me. He set me free. He's forgiven my sin. He's offered me life. I want to please him. Um, and then the second question is, who or what do you think about most? Just when your motor, your wheels are able to turn, where do those thoughts go? So how can you and I make sure that we are not lovers of the world, but instead lovers of God. There's a couple of key things that you and I can do, and one has to do with screens, okay? And I got one right here. So like, 
our incessant use of these things is not good for us on so many levels. But one way in which this is not good for us is that it, it, it directs our heart toward the American way of fulfillment, expression, independence, freedom, wealth, achievement, all of the things that America says, if you have these things, you win at life. Ding, 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 you're a winner, winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, okay? <laughs> and those screens help pull us in that direction and activate those desires and drives. And yes, I want that. I want to achieve that. I want to have that. That will make me, finally, I will be happy, right? And so shutting the screens off on a regular basis is a good idea. <laughs> so every now and then, turn off those screens. Again, every ad is selling the same thing. Every ad is just selling you happiness. It really is. It doesn't matter. It's and I've told you before that I actually go into Facebook. I actually keep Facebook open and I open my browser to strange and unusual things so that Facebook will give me ads that are just different. So like I, I Googled like castle vacations in Europe so that I could just see castles. And sure enough, the ads started appearing in Instagram and Facebook is crazy, right? So I'll do stuff like that just to goose the system, right? Or Antarctic, you know, Google Antarctic, like, and you'll just start getting ads, right? So they know, and they're trying to help keep your heart pushed toward this direction of acquisition, fulfillment, personal happiness. And so you gotta, you gotta turn them off, turn them off every now and then. And then the, the second thing is twofold. God actually still speaks through his word. He does. God still speaks through his word. He has been speaking through his word. He speaks through his word and he will speak through his word. And so when we have Bible intake, whether we're listening to it read to us in earbuds, whether we're reading it, whether we're in a community setting like this, we just heard Genesis 18 and 21 together, right? So those things get into us and help shape our hearts over time. See, the thing about this is we Americans... We don't appreciate the long-term stuff. For us, everything is short-term. You would be surprised as to what a regular Bible intake over 20 years would actually do for you in your heart. It actually does. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in six months. But over 20 years, 30 years, it really you begin to see things the way God sees them. You begin to feel things the way God designed life to be felt and experienced, right? So that's one thing. And then the other thing is increasing fellowship. So you got a church family here, as awkward and crazy as this group is, <laughs> for better or worse, you got a church family here. And these people are also trying to be lovers of God along with you. And we can help each other along the way as we're trying to be lovers of God and not lovers of this world and all that it is and because it's passing away. The new order is coming. The order of the kingdom where the way Jesus lived life is going to be lived by everybody. <laughs> it's going to happen, okay? Here's why this matters. Um, in 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul tells us that something very sad happened. Um, I got to go this way. 2 Timothy 4.10, he tells us, 
Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this world. And he has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. So Paul is in prison when he writes this, and he's heartbroken because these people have just up and left. And he's begging Timothy, please come, because Demas loves the things of this world. And that's caused Demas to stop gospel ministry, go back home for whatever reason, right? Maybe he decided it wasn't worth the sacrifice. Um, maybe uh, he was giving something in his life, an ultimate place other than God. Maybe it was Paul's hard message that eventually rubbed in the wrong. We don't know. We're not told why. We're just told that he loved the world, so he stepped away. So again... In this book of the Bible, the world is a, a way of living. It's a system, a way of living, and we have one in America. And let me just articulate a few things that go with it, and I want to close it out. Um, so America will tell you all the time, just follow your heart. And part of what America is saying when it says to do that is whatever you desire, go after that. Like, the, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, if you desire something, go get it. Like, ding. And I'm here to tell you that everything you desire is not good for you. <laughs> I desire lots and lots of Pringles. I can't stop Pringles. I do not let Pringles come in my house because I eat the whole can. They're not lying when they say, once you pop, you can't stop. And I can't afford new pants. And so, again, following my heart, following, you know, not good for me. Um, another thing, grab all you can. You only get one swing at the bat. You only get one turn. No. <laughs> There's the resurrected life, life everlasting. In fact, that matters more in some ways because it's longer. <laughs> okay? Uh, and then another thing that's part of our world system, uh, if you can achieve, if you can buy, if you can have, fill in the blank, you'll be happy. Not true, not true. So loving the world the way God loves the world means loving like Jesus. Again, Jesus is the clearest picture we have of God. As I talked about last week when I talked about, because John talks about holiness at the first start of this uh, letter. Holiness, we get hung up on a list of things of do's and don'ts. Holiness is just Jesus. Jesus was perfectly holy, is perfectly holy. You want to know what holiness looks like? Look to Jesus. Ding, clear and simple. That's holiness. Uh, and so um, Jesus is not just a person. He's not just God. He's also a way of living. That through the gift of his spirit in us, the way up is down. You gain by losing. I could go down a long list. And that's not the way America does things. So I'm just going to push a pause button. We'll put a pin in it. We'll come back to chapter two in a week or two. Uh, but those are just some things from 1 John, John's letter to 1 John that I wanted to get into you. And so the world is not just stuff. It's a way of living.